We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, with another episode of The Bearcast, presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. All right, so today, we're now going to walk you through some very exciting news. And as you might have seen from the title of this podcast, which I haven't even told Rob what the title is, but I will tell him later, we have essentially traded defensive coordinators with... Oregon. Now, I might have jumped the gun here. Rob probably wanted to do a little bit of a historical recap of the news, as he is prone to do. So let's rewind the tape. Rob, do you want to take us through how this all happened? Uh, Sure. Um, We had reports on January 22nd uh, that Oregon was looking at Tim DeRoyder. Uh, I, I believe it was before the 22nd. 22nd was announced. So let's backtrack even further. Andy Avalos leaves Oregon as the DC, becomes the new head coach at Boise State. They have a coaching vacancy. Uh, rumors start to circulate that uh, Oregon is strongly considering Tim DeRuyter and even former Cal coach Tosh Lupoy for their defensive coordinator position. Then it starts to leak out on Oregon paid message boards that Tosh and Tim DeRoyter are like two of the three finalists. And then finally on the 22nd, it drops. And he is now the coach for the Oregon Ducks. Um, This is from, what's it, footballscoop.com. It says, early on in his search for defense coordinator replacing Andy Avalos, sources shared with footballscoop.com that Cristobal planned to speak with a number of candidates to hear ideas um, from some of the best available defensive minds, but that one person he truly was hoping to hire was DeRoyter. Yeah. So the funniest part about this, and like I think you know, we'll pause here. The funniest part about this to me was because the second that Avalos went to Boise State, the first message that I sent, I'm still in this thread with these guys, these Oregon <laughs> fans from the bachelor party that happened two years ago, or I guess, yeah, a year ago. Two year years ago. 
Yeah. 2019? <laughs> 2019. So I'm literally in this thread with these guys. I send it over to them. I'm like, you guys are going to look at TDR. Like, you guys are going to go after Tim DeRoyter. And their response that I got was, we'll go for somebody way better than that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, fast forward to when they hired him. I mean, then they all realized, like, all everybody loved it from a hiring standpoint. All these people, yeah, it's such a good hire. Yeah, the response from news media, college, like, people within the sport are just like, yeah, this is going to be an incredible fit. And I think even from Cal fans, we're sitting over here like, yeah, this is going to be a really good fit for them. Like, I, I, you know, they were like, what do you think? I was like, I think it's going to be a great hire. So, I'm scared. I'm scared. Yeah, I'm scared. It's it's going to be a pain in the ass. There's no other way to put it. It's going to suck to play that defense every season. But at the same time, you know, I, I sort of feel like it, it does put to rest a little bit of the Tim DeRoyter journey for us. And, and, and we've had the conference. We've had the, the – and I'm – Going to kick it over to you, Rob, so it's not just me rambling on. But we've oh, had the conversations about this. We've had the conversations about who's calling plays. Did DeRoyter support the change to co-DC? Why was Wilcox promoting Sermon? And then we also have had the offseason rumors. Like every offseason, I've been legitimately concerned that Tim DeRoyter was leaving. He was taking interviews uh, last year and the year before that. And I mean – Good for the man. But it was clear that I think he was – I think he's still trying to get back to being a head coach. That would be my guess. So all of this sort of made sense. Not everybody agrees with that, by the way. Some people think that there were things that happened with Wilcox and Sermon and the promotion there that upset and ruffled the feathers. But everything that we've heard from the organization outside of one thing would suggest otherwise. I so, think you're – I think you're on point. Like I, I talked to the Oregon, their podcast today, uh, all about this. You can listen to it for um, the Quack 12 podcast. Go listen. I was with Adam and Hithla Day um, and all them talking about um, this, this hiring. And, you know, Hithla Day is probably one of the most, uh, one of the like, you know, fan football minds that I love to talk to. Um, he's like, he's like their own version of Burke 18, right? Total like film, film guru like just loves that stuff, dives deep into it. So you can go listen to my conversation with them about it. But basically what I said was, I think it it makes sense now. It makes sense now why they made the change. And this is my conjecture, right? This is nothing that I know or have heard or anything of that sort. But th- just just looking at the situation rationally, the only explanation that comes to mind here is the reason they made that change last year was because DeRoyter – had already, you know, started looking for another job, right? And DeRoyter was okay with it because he knew even if he wasn't calling plays for one season, people were going to still call him for a job, for a job interview. Like his name, his name already holds up and has all that tape behind him, right? So that was done. But the kicker for this season and I think this is the reason why he became another defensive coordinator and not another head coach was COVID. If you had an actual normal season, I think one more football teams would have called him for as a head coach, right? And this was this would have been less scrutinized. And if he had just moved on to becoming a new head coach, then everyone's just like, you know what? That was the smart move. 
where he puts in his successor. He already knows he's going to be a, be moving on to becoming a head coach somewhere. And he helped the program and helped uh, a younger defensive coordinator, you know, learn the ropes with him standing on the sidelines for him. Right. And it would have been just a happy story, but COVID happens. We get a shortened season, which doesn't mean anything. And then also because of COVID finances are hit across the board where teams are not as willing to fire their head coach this year in the power, in the power five conferences, as we might have seen if it was a regular season. So, because the that's the way it happened, now you're sitting there with defensive coordinators that switch roles because you expected one defensive coordinator to move on, but he's he doesn't have any job availability. So do you switch those roles back? You can't at that point. That creates even a worse like scenario for you where people are like, oh, they, they gave it back to DeRoyter because, you know, Sermon sucked this year, right? You, you don't want that. PR disaster on your hands. Thankfully, the Oregon job opened up and it fit perfectly in with, I think, what DeRoyer wants to do, which is to be a play caller, to be a coach. And I think Cristobal realistically is just going to leave the defensive side like just straight up to to DeRoyer. Like it's he's not going to interfere with that whatsoever. So, you know, I, I didn't I didn't tell this to the Oregon guys, but I was like, dude, if you guys have a good year next year he might bounce after just one year. You might be looking for another defensive coordinator after a year. Cause yeah. this has been just a, a, a stop gap of like, I just wanted to be another play caller for another year, just so I can get, you know, people to talk to as a head coach the following year. Right. And, and I think that's, I think that's a very realistic possibility here. So did we end up losing a lot? Sure. But realistically, no. Cause if we were already expecting him to move on this year, So I think that's the, you know, from what you were saying, I was really going to jump onto that one. I think the COVID point is is smart and that more opportunities weren't as available and there wasn't a bigger body of work to maybe highlight. I think that if he has success year one in Oregon, worst case by year two, yeah, yeah. Like he's going to, I mean, it's going to be the same thing. It's kind of like the, it seems to be a rotating door there Mm -hmm. right now on the defensive side of the football, even pre Cristobal, right? Didn't uh Levitt was Yeah, it was like it was like yearly. Yeah, so they've had a hard time keeping guys in that position. I mean for for good reasons for them. Like they go there and then boom they get a head coaching gig. So not bad for someone that's looking to go do that. But I think that makes sense to me. I think the so let's talk about the Gerald Alexander tweet. So after Tim DeRoyter announced uh, it was announced that he was leaving, GA tweeted out that, you know, congrats to Tim DeRoyter for getting the, was it position that he deserves? Yeah, the actual tweet, the tweet says, congrats to my guy, Tim DeRoyter, getting back in the position he deserves to be in. So what did you think about that? I think people were over overanalyzing it way too much. I think it was just, it was just a tweet about how he's a good defensive coordinator and he deserves to be a play calling de- defensive coordinator. There's no like there's no like ill will to like say that, you know, the staff handled it poorly and they shouldn't have demoted him. Like I I didn't read into that like that at all. It's just a it's just a dude he respects and knowing GA's personality having talked to him for so long, he's not the type of guy to like subtweet like that. It's just a straight up 
you know, I respect you and I'm glad you got an, another opportunity for yourself. Done. It's true. It's true. I'm, you know, I'm in that camp too. Not all, I don't, it was more controversial than what we'll end yeah. up talking about. Yeah. But at first I was like, damn, that GA tweet is kind of damning. But then I, as I thought about it, I was like, dude, I don't know. He seems like a dude that's just genuinely excited for people. And I don't know if he cares and puts too much thought into what, you know, <laughs> like, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to show them. I also left on a really good note at Cal. Like it would be really out of pocket for him to just like suddenly turn on that. I was interested in maybe asking that question to Trey later, but I think, you know, all in all, I let's also, so let's introduce, take, take us through what happened just, you know, today. Well, reports started coming out of who would be taking the Cal position, right? And there were a lot of, you know, speculation starting to occur. And, you know, of course the big name on Pete, the Cal fans, you know, minds was, would they try to bring back Tosh? Because they tried to bring him on the first time when Wilcox first got here. Right. And so the names linked, <laughs> they were like, is he going to, are they going to try and bring him back? Every uh, defensive availability. Every defensive availability. Yeah. Yep. Is Tosh going back? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Um, but then, uh, coach Keith Hayward, who is an, or- who's the Oregon assistant head coach, co-defensive coordinator and the safeties coach. Um, that name started to pop up and a lot more smoke started to appear until this afternoon when we got the official notification from a bunch of national writers saying that he is going to be hired. And then right before that breaks, Coach uh, Coach Hayward puts on his Twitter like, "Thank you, Oregon, you know for for your for my four years here." Oh, I thought that was super classy. I've never mm-hmm. seen that before. He did and that he- before the official news got there, so that the the insider scoop he got that out before the insider scoop, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like even like because the rumblings were kind of happening, still not so much on Twitter, kind of on the boards. Yeah, and as soon as like it still wasn't really the national reporters. And then he put that out. And then, so I thought that was actually a pretty top class move right there versus what normally happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you, if you, have you looked at like who's quote tweeted it and like written about it, like that, that post it's most of the Oregon guys that he recruited and played or he coached like guys like Javon Holland, who's actually from Oakland. He went to Bishop out. You know, and he quote tweeted it saying something along the lines of like, I wasn't even considering Oregon until, you know, like you came in and started talking to me. Kayvon Thibodeau was like, this sucks. Um, I thought, you know, we'd be here together longer. A bunch of the recruits that, that he brought in and his his recruiting prowess speaks for itself. And I think Andy's like smiling and like super excited right now. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, let me tell you like why I like this so much. So, all right. I think of like this as a trade and that's sports that I was running the, the headline. I mean, I take lunch at two o'clock. So I've been watching like NFL live. And, um, and so I've been seeing the bottom line, the bottom line ticker was like Cal and Oregon swap DCs. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, have you ever seen that? Like never. No. So it's, that's on the, the headline, but, but the lower line, but anyways, I think that if you were to say, like, you had, we knew that the, the rumblings were there. DeRoyter was looking. DeRoyter wasn't, didn't really have that long-term lens. And you look at 
there's two fundamental questions here. Will Tim DeRoyter be successful at Oregon? Yes. Will the Cal defense probably not lose that much by not having DeRoyter? Also, yes. And did we gain kind of what we needed? And I'll let you talk to this too, because I think you quote tweeted what I saw. But on the recruiting side, like this is the growth that we need. And it's not like we need him to come in with Tim DeRoyter's like schematic, like, you know, scheme or something like that. Like we, we, Wilcox is a gifted mind enough to have spent enough time with Tim DeRoyter to understand how to disguise and game plan. I'm not as worried about that loss versus what we return. And so I think as we were talking about it, you know, if you had, if we had filmed this when DeRoyter announced he was leaving, we might've had more emotion to it, but now we've seen sort of what it has ended up in. I think it could be a big win for Cal. And, and in that we get this, I mean, dude, if you're talking about bringing in like those level of players, that is what we want, right? That's what we've been saying. So, I mean, now you're talking about Yates. Now you have Hayward, like, Tui back in the day used to be a dynamite recruiter. We already know what Regal's done in Arizona. Dude, this staff can recruit <laughs> like crazy. Yeah. I mean, we're not even talking about like Andrew Browning, who's now becoming like a stud coach. <laughs> like, I am genuinely afraid to say his name because I don't want people knowing about him. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, it's my fault. It's my fault. Um, the, the tweet that Andy's referring to is there was a, there was a, uh, someone was talking about like who won this, like, you know, quote unquote trade and some dude posted on Twitter saying he, this is what he wrote. And I agree with this fully. And I think this was the best way that he, uh, my thoughts and I think Andy's thoughts were like succinctly said, which was both teams Cal needed to get a recruiter to bring in talent. They have their play caller in a great scheme. Oregon lacked in scheme, uh, but has enough recruiting. Both feel the need. Perfect. Perfect. Like, so, so just to, just to give you some background on like Hayward himself, right. Played four years at Oregon state. Like that's his alma mater. Um, ended his career with 35 consecutive starts was an honorable mention, all pack 12 or all pack 10. He played professionally a little bit in the CFL, NFL, Europe arena football league. And then he became a grad assistant for Oregon State in 2005. Then he moved to Cal Poly and coached linebackers. Then he moved. Um, now this is where it gets fun, is because ever since then, ever since Cal Poly and him coming back into the Pac-12, that's the only place he's ever coached outside of one year at Louisville. He's coached with the Ducks since 2017. He was a carryover from Willie Taggart's staff into Cristobal's staff. Um, he coached at Washington. He coached at USC and then also went back and coached at Oregon State. And the connection here is that Hayward was an assistant coach under Wilcox at Washington and at SC. And that's where the connection is uh, to, to bring him in. Now, Andy smiles every time he thinks about this this type of talent <laughs> that uh, Hayward brought in. And let me just let me just name you a few, just a few, just a few players that he's either coached right, just to show that he can coach guys to get to that next level, or the talent that he's brought in. So here are the names: 
Players like Desmond Trufant, Brandon Cooks, Marcus Peters, Adore Jackson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sua Cravens, Iman Marshall, Marvell Tell, Jair Alexander, Kayvon Thibodeau, Javon Holland, Kevin King, CJ Pollard, Sean Dollars. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Just looking at that list. Like he it doesn't need to be said. He recruited the number one recruit in his class as the primary recruiter to the school he was working at, which was Kayvon Thibodeau to Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's so so here's the he, Wilcox is incredibly impressive to me in the way that he has these stops with people in his career from all over the map. Yep. Boise state, Oregon, uh, you have Washington, SC and Tennessee, Tennessee, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. So he has these stops and he's able to make these relationships where somebody like that at a place like Oregon is like, yeah, I'll do this. Or, Greatwood is like, yeah, I will. I'm a near retirement. I will come down here and get you help you get this thing off the ground. Or even Tim DeRoyter coming in as a head coach or Charlie Ragle. I mean, he just has, or, you know, Marcel Yates. Like the list goes on and on. This dude is just ridiculous in the way he just attracts people to him. And that, I, that is what just gives me so much faith. As long as Wilcox is here, the faith remains. That's my I mean, mantra these days. You know, I you know, I was just thinking about this today. And let's look at the big picture, right, of what Wilcox is trying to accomplish here and why this coaching hire makes so much sense. Because think about it. You just mentioned it, right? You talked about Tim DeRoyter coming in, Bo Baldwin coming in, like a former head coach, and then all those assistant coaches – most of those assistant coaches that he brought in weren't known as recruiters, right? They they were more known to be developers of talent, like coaching guys. GA turned out to be one of the best coaches we've ever had on this campus, right? And then a bunch of the offensive guys as well, like Burl Toller coming back. That like that that was huge. Um, and you saw them implement the scheme and the fundamentals and the the overarching like the foundational pillars of this program on the football field, right? Off the field, that's that's a different story. But on the field, like, this is what we want to do on offense. This is what we want to do on defense. The structure is there. We might tweak some things here and there as coaches come in and out and, you know, football modernizes and we do that. But that's what we want to keep foundationally. And they brought in those coaches to help set that foundation in guys that had had coaching experience and player development experience. Now, we're entering year five of of this program building out. And starting from last season is when we started to see the shift in the assistant coaches and the types of guys he hired less about those developmental fundamental things because we talked about this with players, right? It's that if you've built that culture and you've built up that foundational aspect from the freshman up, by the time those freshmen are seniors or juniors and seniors, they're coaching those things already to the guys underneath. And those are the types of guys recruits that they're bringing in anyways. Right. So, you know, like the big thing we talked about was like when Blake Ancelotos got to campus and Evan Weaver was still here, like Blake apparently ran up to him and is like, I'm you. 
right? <laughs> They're recruiting these guys. And then Evan basically, you know, was like teaching all those inside linebackers and like coin and Jordan was teaching coin and they're teaching all these guys, the, the fundamental things that they needed to teach him when they were first in here. But now that's set, which is why Wilcox is shifting the paradigm a little bit in how he brings in coaches into guys that are dynamic recruiters that can bring in higher level talent because the foundational aspect of the football side of things is there now to work with. Yeah. And now you're bringing in more elite talent that's going to be able to soak in all of that. And you if saw Wilcox, that, right? If Wilcox wins eight to nine games next year, maybe nine games, I'm giving them lifetime contract. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, I'm literally am so optimistic about the foundation we've had. I'm just so nervous on coaching. So nervous. I mean, it's crazy to think we've had, you know, Wilcox for this will be year five. And he's pretty much, you know, I, his job's pretty safe. So it's like. However long he wants to be here, he can stay here right now. Like the only way I see this failing is like if he goes with like a, you know, two and two and ten season back to back. Yeah, if, if if we have a really bad season next year, people will get upset because there's still people out there that are like, you know, tweet out the Wilcox is just dykes with better PR, blah blah blah. I mean, it's I just find that that's with every fan base. Every fan base, you're going to find people that are the opposite of how things are going. Yeah, but I think uh, it's going to be tough, man, because. The excitement for what this could be will start to build up around next season and the year after because that's when we get this year's class. I think really to start delivering is maybe the year two. And then you like look forward to what, what we just talked about in the last podcast with Martin and uh, I, yeah, Deo or Dominique. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, William, Williams. 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 So I think. I think that, yeah, like I, I, I just want to make sure that we can have everybody kind of around to see the fruition of this thing. I did. I definitely do too. And it's, it's, it's one of those like hires, like that's the thing with coaching hires in college football is that it's not a quick turnaround. It's not a one year fix. Like Hayward coming in, right? Sure. Is it, do, you, do we think he's going to be a good uh, DB coach if he ends up being a DB coach? Absolutely, because his track record's there. But and will we see that going into next season? I think we might because of the talent that we have in that room. But his other side, which is the recruiting side, will we see? Will we reap the benefits right away? And that's what I don't know. We probably won't. But if he if he hits the ground running in twenty twenty two, in the twenty twenty two class, and we like maybe pull our first five star recruit under Wilcox, like. That's going to – the excitement is just going to – it's going to build. <laughs> yeah, it's going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But overall, with these two hires, the switch, the trade, fair trade, good trade, like you're you're ready to move on and get this thing going? Yeah. I guess it's exciting for us. It's exciting for them. I think we'll probably lose to Oregon more than we would have if we had kept Tim DeRoyter. And, uh, but at the same time, it's really about more than that for us right now. And I think that this is setting us up for longer term 
sustained success than, uh, you know, and it just allows us to reload on the defensive side of the football. When, when I hear you say like four star, five star recruit, I'm thinking, man, like they're going to come in defensively. Right. That's where, that's where I'm thinking. And that's, Gosh, that's what I'm saying. It's like you look at this defense and you're like, damn, if we just had one interior lineman that was just a Vita Vea. <laughs> yeah. Just like, like off the bat can play as a freshman. Impact. My goodness. Yeah. If we just had him, you're like, wow, what the de- what this defense could do. So I think, yeah, very excited. Well, we do have some uh, fan takes and questions about this. So we'll move on to that. We got a Aspiring CPA tweets at us uh, talking about um, the DeRoyter departure. He says, uh, was an inevitable dynamic given the shift in roles between he and Peter Sermon. The funny byproduct is since Oregon was also considering Tosh Lupoi, many Cal fans have now descended back into the Lupoi derangement syndrome of should we or should we not bring him back? (laughs) The LDR, Lupoi derangement syndrome. I like that. (laughs) It's always it's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. And I think to that point, the reason people were always like always wanted Lupoy back, at least the people in that camp, was because of his recruiting side, right? I think Hayward replaces that perfectly. It fills that void perfectly. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I I think the Tosh love, man, it's hard. I wish. I worked with Tosh really seemed like genuinely good dude players loved him uh staff loved him but we still like we're we we have I don't know I don't know if I like maybe I've moved on I just moved on from this idea and and as you look at how people are navigating this situation now in recruiting and the, the shit that Tosh was doing does didn't fly like this. It just wouldn't fly now, yeah. you know? And I think I don't, people change, but they don't change as much as we'd ever hope. Yeah. So if you're getting Tosh, you're getting Tosh with baggage and you're getting Tosh with risk. And so we can't imagine Tosh as just Tosh as he was, because we have to evaluate him as a professional. And as a professional, he was handing out cups of coffee <laughs> that were filled with money instead of coffee to high school kids and then helping them pass their classes. And uh, and then he left and, you know, took recruits with him and bought himself a boat or got himself a boat. <laughs> like our obsession with like I would, I'm so happier with the, the Hayward hired than I am hiring Tosh. Like I, it's like the retread. Tosh is the retread now. And I, I just – he's also been out the college game. So I, I don't know. I don't love it as much as everybody else. I'm just kind of like, eh, let it go. I mean if he was hired as the like that role, like that this role that Hayward is is taking now, would I, been, be hyped. Would, I, would I have been upset? <laughs> no, absolutely not. But the thing with the Hayward hire is that it's equal if not better because he has a more recent track record. Right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And But but the thing is, when when DeRoyder left and that void was open, we didn't know a guy like Hayward was on the table as an option for us to begin with. I think that's the that's the issue, is that we had no idea we could even get a caliber recruiter like this. We thought yeah. Todd was, our, was the top that we could get. Yeah. And I do wonder if, you know, even if the staff was kind of like, yeah, Sarbrin, you'll go to full D.C., and then I, I also wonder if Sermon was like, no, no, like, uh, you know, they're like, oh, hey, like this guy's interested. Can we bring him on Co DC? And he's like, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like Sermon could have just been like, yep, no, I want to be DC. And th- th- well, it just, just, be- just me. No Co. No yeah. Co. I want to be me. Like, And uh, it just seems like they don't have those egos. I mean, this could have e- – because here's the thing. He was – he's it's a, technically by a role standpoint, it's a lateral move, right? And probably a pay cut too, realistically. But the issue, the the conversation that I think that had to have happened here was it needed to be like a powwow between Wilcox, Sermon, and Hayward. And sitting there going, look, we know you got overlooked for the defensive coordinator position at Oregon twice. Now, even as the co-DC, you got overlooked twice. So if you come down here and you know, Sermon's on board with it. You're going to learn the ropes under Sermon. He's looking to be a head coach in a couple of years. You're the guy in waiting. If he if he finds a job next after next season and is hired away, I'm not looking at anyone else. You're the next guy up. <laughs> they got to hire you. That's a good sales pitch. <laughs> I mean, but it, but what I'm I guess I uh, sure why not? But if, <laughs> if that's if that's the if that's kind of how the conversation went, and that's the. That's the balance of personalities and the egos and all coming to terms of how the dynamic is going to work. Right. And maybe, maybe that's because that, so now we have two points of evidence of like why the, the DeRoyder sermon switch happened and how, why Hayward's coming in. And if you put those two things together, that scenario of what we talked about today, right. Of like, you know, the, it's us thinking of like, what's the most rational conversation that would have happened between these two separate parties. It aligns perfectly now that like they had those personalities in there to make that change the first time and to bring in Hayward this time. It just, it just makes too much sense. Otherwise it's just like a, a, you know, a spite move that Hayward's making just to, just a screw you Cristobal and, and Oregon for not, you know, even considering me for the job. I also think like if you look at those guys, I mean, just because you said Wilcox, Sermon, Hayward, all former players, Hmm. all of them. And I think that's a cool element too. Not a lot of staffs can say say that necessarily, that all of them, they're just like younger 
former players. You know, you can have older coaches that played back in the day, but these are guys that like, <laughs> as much as, as I start to think about Cal and like from a brand standpoint, Cal football, how do you differentiate yourself? And what uh, Herm Edwards has done to ASU, they want to be the pro program. But like, you know, Cal's a pretty legit case. Hey, you're going to come in, you're going to get taught by people that have played this game at a very high level. Like first and foremost, we have all played. We have all been in your shoes. So where you are today, I un- I completely understand where you're at. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, that being said too, like, can you imagine if Sherman, Wilcox, and Hayward sat down? That's like, Wilcox is the connecting factor here, right? Because Wilcox played with Sherman. That's the connection there. And he coached with Hayward. And he's like sitting there like, can we all be friends? <laughs> like. <laughs> You're you're my friend. I'm his friend. You're also my friend. I vouch for the both of you. Let's all let's all just get together and just uh, win some football games. <laughs> Next question, Rob. Next question. Uh, Sid, uh, who is also in a weird spot here because she's the as I said, she's the one that the organ. Yeah, or she's that organ. Uh, when I asked about you know the uh, departure, she said bittersweet. I guess. Haha. Who do you guys want to see in that position? <laughs> answered they answered for us boom roasted <laughs> sid you're next uh, we're gonna get you as a transfer don't you worry uh, <laughs> all right and then um yeah then we had some things from saman about you know you trading your fandom for aaron Rodgers coming to you know <laughs> all right uh, so let's do it why uh, in the hell can you give me a legitimate explanation jay tried on twitter i said i still don't understand of what give me a legitimate explanation of two things okay. you two shots at this all right why are you running a cover one defense with eight seconds left and the opponent has no timeouts at the end of the first half then the first half second question why on fourth down and eight, fourth down and goal from the eight, down eight, do you kick a field goal with two minutes left in the game? Those are my two questions. The first one I have no answer to <laughs> because I was just as baffled at the play call. Um, Not only was I baffled at the play call, but I was baffled at Kevin King giving him outside leverage, right? I... <laughs> I understand what the play call is, but if the guy is right there behind you and running at you full speed, you do not you do not turn your hips inward and give him outside leverage. It, why would you do that? <laughs> when it's Tom Brady, it's Tom Brady. As much as I hate Tom Brady, it's still Tom Brady. And if he sees that, he's going to try and take advantage of it. Because the worst case scenario, if, even if he doesn't catch the ball, it's a P.I., Right, because you're gonna you're gonna be like overreaching and yeah, it's it, yeah. Worst case scenario, it's a pi. So with eight seconds left, and a pi in the end zone. So you know, goal at the one. <laughs> I don't understand the second point, the kicking the field goal. Um, yeah, I I <laughs> once again do not have an answer. So people tried to people tried to. to uh, tweet at me about this too and they were like well you had you had to get two scores no matter what right um because you needed to convert the two-point conversion but what 
But what I was saying was you getting you going for that. So like let's say you let's say you scored that touchdown, right? On the fourth down. And you didn't convert the two-point conversion. You still don't need a touchdown. All you need is a field goal and you win the game. You don't need to go all hundred yards if you let's say if you start on your one, right? You don't need to you don't need to do that. You just need one stop and you need a field goal. If you miss the touchdown on fourth down and you and you give them the ball back, right? They they're not if it's a touchback, they're not starting on their own 25. <laughs> because you turn the ball over on downs, they're starting on their own eight. So yeah. you, get, you have more yards to work with. And that's the thing too, right? Remember right when uh, they get that, they get like eight yards on that first down instead of they cause the penalty to give them the first down to save clock. You had more space to do that. If you gave them the ball on the eight and not on the 25. Yeah. Now they're in field goal range. I think people were missed. That was a big thing. I think people were missing too. They're like, I thought that was so stupid. Like, they Tampa's running game had been abysmal. They weren't getting shit against that front line at all, all game. I mean, Fournette had that one amazing LSU throwback run, yeah. but besides that, like Ronald Jones wasn't doing anything. Leonard Fournette was getting bottled up, like in the end, like in the second half. It was, it was just like passes. yeah, flat. That's what did him, and that and that pass that got him eight yards, right? Was just a little quick out to the sideline, and it 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 got them to the yard line. Like I don't think they pass on the eight. I really don't. No, they I, don't. I don't think they do because nope. it's way too risky. Not and after I think they Tom would. threw three ducks. Yeah, three <laughs> of the worst interceptions I think I've seen. It was such an ugly game. The whole game was ugly. Uh, or sorry, not the whole. The whole second half was ugly. It was and, so winnable. Oh, so winnable. I mean. Poor Pack, my poor buddy who's like diehard Packers fan. I was like, man, I don't even know what to tell you besides that. I'm coming to steal your quarterback. Like, Niners are coming. We're going to take Rodgers and we're going to go to the Super Bowl and like see you guys later because I don't know what the hell your coach is doing. I think Matt LaFleur has a legitimate, the Packers have a legitimate case to fire him. That was probably the worst head coaching I've seen in a long time. And defensively, like, you have to get rid of Mike. Patine or whatever, like yeah, the, the the time management was egregiously bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just so bad. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, we're on we're on NFL talk. All right, I got one NFL question for you that I wanted to bring up, and then we have one basketball question, and then we'll close. NFL question: You as a Niner fan, do you trade for Aaron Rodgers or do you trade for Deshaun Watson? Well, everyone else would say you trade for Deshaun Watson. I was just explaining this today. I do not care. Just go get Aaron Rodgers. I was like, uh, my friends were laughing. Right? I was like, Jimmy G plus a first and a second. Is that good enough? No. They say no. But for for Rodgers, yeah, not good enough. That might that might get you, Matt Matthew Stafford. He's thirty seven. <laughs> He's so old. He's thirty seven, but he has three years left on his deal. And if you put him in the same echelon. As Brady. Like I know. Brady. He's gonna play more years. He's gonna play for five more years, but that's my secret. They don't have to know that. <laughs> ah, damn. But if he really wants out, 
mean, first, second, plus Jimmy G starting quarterback in the league. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> they're going to say, like, thank you, but no thank you to Jimmy G because we have Jordan Love that we'd rather start. <laughs> you get Jimmy G if you want him or not. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no. Uh, I mean, if I'm Niners brass, dude, that's if you want. So, yeah, I would probably get, I'd say Deshaun Watson's better because you can, you know, he's your future. He's younger. He's so good. I mean, I, I would be just as happy. I, I think I would be more happy if the Niners went and got Rodgers because he's obviously went to Cal. We passed on him. It's kind of righting the wrongs of, you know, of the draft. The question and, is, does Rodgers even want to come here after they pass on the draft? Like, it's one of those things of like, does Rodgers still hold a grudge against the Niners? Would he say no if they agreed to a package for him? He's known. He's known for those grudges. And I can't definitively say that Shanahan will be better at play calling uh, in certain situations than <laughs> Matt LaFleur. <laughs> because we all watched the Super Bowl uh, twice. So we've seen that. I don't know. Let's let's talk basketball. Let's talk basketball. Scott Morita asks, with close losses to UCLA and USC in men's basketball over the last week and the return of Grant and Matt to the lineup, have your thoughts on the co- team and coach Fox improved or changed in any way? Has Fox actually been coaching better? Well, let's go ahead and defer this one to you, Rob. <laughs> All right. Here's my take. Has Fox actually been coaching better? Yes. You got to give credit where it's due. Like I, I wrote this article like two weeks into the season, right? Which was about how the percentage of threes that we're taking in regard in relation to the overall shots we're taking drastically different, nearly a 20% increase in threes taken from last year to this year in relation to total shots taken. So now, you know that the staff is like, all right, what's our strength on this team? Perimeter shooting, Ryan Bentley, Mikhail Foreman, Matt Bradley, Graham Tisevich. Um, it's three-point shooting. So what are we going to do? We're going to let it fly, boys. We're just going to let it fly. Um, has that worked out? To a certain degree, yes, because it's kept us in games pretty well. Um, and we've been on a tear shooting from beyond the arc over like the last three or four weeks. I dare say we might be the hottest team in college basketball in terms of shooting threes the last month because I don't, I just don't see anywhere. Grant is now the leading three-point shooter in the conference. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he missed a week of games because of an emergency appendectomy, and he's still the leading three-point shooter in the conference. <laughs> so Tracy. it's insane. And, and Matt was out, and he came back, and – the worry I had with Matt was when before he left, he was the lone guy on our team scoring and doing everything for us. When he left, the ball started to move a bit more because Matt was not there and they needed to do that in order to create shots. That actually played out for us pretty well because now other guys were getting open looks from three to do so. There were a couple moments uh, last week against SC when Matt came back where it would go to his hands and it would go to hero ball moments where he would just get the ball and not do much. Um, Like he would try to do it by himself and he he just wasn't in that rhythm to do so. 
that as much as I like that aspect about Matt, I was like, if he wasn't in the lineup, would we have gotten a better shot? Right? Would we have gotten a better look from three? Um so there's the there's like my dilemma, but the kudos goes to Fox and the staff for making those adjustments and coaching these guys up to shoot. Now, the question that I have about Fox still remains. He came into this, he came into this job with this emphasis of being a defensive coach and needed a defensive mentality to win games. That mentality, the habits, the coaching on the defensive side has gone to the crapper this season. We are arguably a worse defense this year than we've ever been in the last four years, including the Viking years. Like this is a worse defense than that. They, they went out and got DJ Thorpe. They went out and got Lars Tiemann, who both at this point in time do not look like Pac-12 players. And this is year two with Lars, right? Just does not look like a, a Pac-12 center um, defensively or offensively. Andre is our best guy, but he's undersized to play that position. Like, And you saw that against SC when he's playing guys like Mobley and – and you know um, the two Mobley brothers, right? It's it's he's just defensively can't handle that. He's way better as a a stretch four. So you it goes hand in hand. Did he did the co- did he do the coaching adjustments well? Absolutely. But has he whiffed on recruiting? And has he ever gotten recruiting down well? No. And does it look like it's that on the upswing? I don't know. Like you look at the recruiting class coming in next year, it's like Marsalis Roberson, who's like a six five wing guy. Great. Then you got two centers coming in who are both undersized again in Obina and Sam. And now you have five centers on your roster, two of which don't look like they look like Pac 12 players, and three who are undersized. Like I don't it I don't know. We can't keep trying to hit home runs with diamonds in the rough. Like you gotta, you can only take those gambles. Like that was the thing with Conzo, right? Like he brought in Ivan, he brought in Jalen, but in that same class, he brought in Roman Davis. Right. He was eight. You're, you're allowed. You're allowed a Roman Davis. If you bring in a Jalen and an Ivan, you can't win. You can't win in a PAC 12 conference. If you bring in three Roman Davises, (laughs) It, it does. It just does not work. It does not work. And that's the issue I have here. Like, I don't know how many times I've said this. Like, I don't hate the guy. It's just he was the wrong hire for us. We, we, it, we're at a point in time where we couldn't hire a retread coach. We needed to just swing for the fences here. We were at rock bottom. <laughs> there was no need to stabilize the ship. And basketball is one of the basket, – collegiate basketball is one of those one sports where one year can turn you around. You get one year of good recruiting, and that can vault your program, you know, into the stratosphere. Yeah. It's 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 the one sport that you're allowed to you can do that, right? And where does that impact happen the most? Recruiting. And where does Mark Fox not do well? Recruiting. And we haven't seen, you know, the the fruits of any of the assistant coaches come to fru- like fruition yet. You know, like. Chris Harriman probably got us, um, you know, the the international recruits, but like Andrew, Andrew, uh, Coach Francis, like hasn't really. I don't think he's 
um, he hasn't been. He was the one that people were like, "Oh, he's a good recruiter," but like we haven't seen that come to fruition yet. And then like he kept he kept Marty Wilson on from Viking staff, which all of us are like, "Why would you keep anyone on from this previous staff who was the worst coaching hire in Cal basketball history?" I just I don't know. He like taught. That's it, like it's weird because he talks about like how he like has all these connections to all these coaches, and it's the exact opposite of Wilcox. Wilcox never talks about the coaching connections that he has, and yet always seems to bring in freaking amazing hires, right? But like Fox name drops all these coaches that he like talks to on the normal, like Coach K or Van Gundy and Roy Williams, and like just all these names. But like he brings in assistant coaches and keeps holdovers from the previous staff. As if he didn't have anyone else to ask to, to hire. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> I don't get I, There's a disconnect for me. So, uh, so that's some, back to, that's some damn fine analysis, Rob. Damn back fine to analysis. The question. Has Fox actually been coaching better? Yes, of, offensively. That's the caveat there. Have my thoughts on the team and Coach Fox improved or changed in any way? Improved? Yes, because it feels like if we shoot threes like this, we'll be in every single game. And because of how hot we are three-point shooting-wise, there is a path for us to somehow miraculously win the Pac-12 tournament. Is if we, <laughs> we shoot fire, if we shoot fire from three, right? If we shoot <laughs> fire from three for four straight days, we can win we can win the Pac-12 tournament. There's a viable chance there. Uh, but but has my has my opinion of the season changed? No. Like we're, we still could go winless the rest of the season. Like we could, we could eclipse what Viking did and just win two conference games this year. It's possible. It's very, we're still dead. Second to second to last in the conference. Hot garbage. Yeah. I mean, the Pac-12 looks good this year. It looks like UCLA, USC, Arizona, Colorado, and Oregon, and potentially Stanford could be yep. tournament eligible. You know what That's the funnier, really good. You know what the funnier part is? Is there's that you know how like the it's in it's in Indianapolis this year, but one of the things they said was you need to be two weeks clear of COVID in order to make that trip to Indianapolis. Right. Like if you get if you get COVID any time between those two weeks before the tournament starts, like there's going to be another team that replaces you. So, so there is a path <laughs> for Cal to get in. Yeah. Oh yeah. The yeah. yeah. Tournament. Um, like I don't know what they're going to do. Like, is it RPI based? Is it by conference? Like, if you know, <laughs> the conference like just shift down. Like, if you get five guys in from your conference, if one of those guys don't that can't make it, does the next guy from your conference get to go? Um, which would be hilarious if like five teams from the conference gets in and then like four of those teams can't go because of COVID and then Cal somehow gets in because <laughs> of its rule change. Like, oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> it'd be hilarious. I would laugh. I would genuinely laugh. That's would laugh. so funny. Yeah, I mean, then you're just going to say the same thing. If Cal gets hot, <laughs> we can make a Cinderella run. Against Mega Cinderella run, uh, but highly unlikely with the way that we play defense. Do you look at Shaka Smart and what's happened at Texas as reason to stick with him for longer? 
Shaka's the one I wanted here. Like I, I was hoping that Texas would fire him and that year that we were hiring Fox because there were rumors that they were going to fire him and that we would bring him in. Um, I love like his scheme and just like what he runs, but I think they're going to keep him on. There's no reason to fire him. I, well, let, let's, let's be frank. Like I thought COVID was, would be a reason they didn't tar- fire Tom Herman, but clearly <laughs> that wasn't a good enough reason. So, um, they easily could just part with him, uh, but I, I doubt it. I think he's he's done he's done well enough, and they have like he brings in top. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about Shaka. I'm just saying, does it does he? Because they're five in the country right now. They're not getting rid of him. Yeah, but are like, do you think that uh, I heard on the radio that it was like Shaka Smart is the reason why you should wait on college basketball hires? So then I was like, okay. You know, we've been having these conversations about college basketball and Mark Fox. I'm like, we haven't given him four years. Maybe do we need to give him four years? Do you know where Shaka Smart was before he came to Texas? Yeah. That school uh, in the East Coast that I forgot the name of. Virginia Commonwealth, VCU. Right. He's at VCU. Yeah. He's at a mid-major. This was his first Power 5 chance. Do you give Do you give a new hire coach like that time to adjust to playing Power 5 and recruiting Power 5? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you give the same amount of time to a coach who's been coaching in the SEC for 10 years? <laughs> right? Like, that's the thing. Like, if we hire Dennis Gates tomorrow, who's he gets four years. Who's, lit- who's lighting it up with Cleveland, Cleveland State, even though he was an assistant with Florida State for that long, you give him, like, five years to to, to do so. Right. Yeah. Like to make that trek, unless he's like abysmal, like you know, Viking was. Like it, you know, it was just straight up, you know, garbage basketball. But like, think about it. Like, think about it this way: if we if we went out and hired Mark Jackson, right, right now, for Cal, and he comes in, and it's this for two years. Do you give him another two? I don't know, but he would recruit better. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. But I think it's just one of those things where it's like you already know what you get from a retread coach, right? There's no upside there. You already know what their ceiling is. They just don't think you can do it. There's no way we're getting rid of Mark Fox. After this season? Absolutely not. <laughs> Next after next season, though, there can be questions. Yeah, after next season, but it's it is that's too bad because we might miss out on Dennis Gates. I'd probably make that trade right now. I would, yeah, I would make that trade in a heartbeat. Why wouldn't you bring out why wouldn't you bring home a guy who wanted to be here, who's interviewed for the job here multiple times? Who wants to be here? He wants to be here. Why would you not bring a guy home? It, it sounds like it pains you physically. It does. <laughs> it pains me more physically because of how well Cleveland State is doing this year. They're dominating. Yeah. Did you see Nick's like article? It was like Dennis Gates or his tweet. Like Dennis Gates or that Cleveland State was bottom two in their conference the year before like the last few years before Dennis Gates arrived and now 
in two years. This is Dennis Gates' second year as Cleveland State's head coach. In that second year, they're at the top of the conference. Yeah, I mean, that's the type of coach that we should be just – that's what I think. It was like, you're like, eh, Mark Fox, two years, not a lot of time, but we kind of got to make this move. I mean, if you're a business, you're making that move. If you're Cal, totally different story. If you're any other Power 5 conference, you're making that move. Yeah. Or any f- other Power 5 conference team, you're making that move. Just not here. Like, remember when Alabama hired Avery Johnson and then, like, they fired him, like, two years after the job? <laughs> like, that's an NBA championship, like, coach. finals head coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have two years and you fired him because he wasn't good enough. So... Anyways, I think that's a good enough. That's a good spot to leave it. Once again, you've been listening to the California Golden Bear Cast. I'm Rob Huang. Um, you can listen to us everywhere and anywhere. And if you're already listening to us, then you already found us. So good with that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, by the way, please give us a five star review. You can. Uh, I, I'm going to steal this from the Quack Twelve Podcast. Adam said uh, you can give us a five star review and just say this is the worst podcast on the planet in the review, but just give us a five star review. <laughs> you can leave us the worst comment in the world, uh, but just give us a five star review. We'd appreciate it. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Golden Bear Guys. You can find me on Twitter at Rob Eleven HWG. You can find Andy at Andy JB Smode. You can find the rest of our written stuff at RightForCalifornia.com, where we got you covered for all things Cal basketball and all things Cal football and all things Cal related, which right now is a ton of news so with that we bid you adieu and as always go bears go bears Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.